Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to Organizing Life's Daily Demands. My name is Peter Gordon, and I'm the president of New York Financial Organizers, <clears throat> where daily money managers. We help people pay their bills, file insurance claims, and uh, essentially work help people with the um, non-investment side of personal finance. And the purpose of this website is to introduce viewers and listeners who have issues that don't have anything to do with personal finance, but also affect their life's daily demands. And today I'm very excited to be interviewing Colin Sandler. Hi, Colin. How are you? I'm good. How are you today? I'm well. I'm well. So, um, Colin, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your company? Okay, so my name's Colin Sandler. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I've been a social worker for thirty over 30 years, um, and I have a business called Medicaid Solutions where I help families, caregivers, to determine sort of what their long-term strategy is going to be for care, in-home and nursing home, and um, help them to figure out how they're going to manage the cost of, the, of that care. And uh, how, how did you find yourself in this business? I'm, I'm well, sure you didn't, you, you know, in high school, you didn't say, I want to help people with Medicaid. No, I did not. Um, so I actually worked as a visiting social worker for visiting nurses. A lot of pe older people have experienced having the visiting nurse service come out and send various people's nurses, therapists, social workers to their home. And I did that for about 15 to 20 years. And in that, I started to see that there was this need for people to have somewhere to go to get the information they needed. And there wasn't really one place. So the information was sort of scattered. You go to a lawyer, you talk to a social worker, you talk to somebody in a hospital. Um, and there was sort of no central point for people to get all the information and to get it from somebody who was actually listening to their concerns, as opposed to just trying to shift them off to another location, like get you out of the hospital, get you out of the, ho the nursing home, what have you. So I realized there was this niche um, that people needed this support. And the and my business sort of grew out of that. Yeah, no, things are terribly decentralized. I was talking to somebody about that the other day that, you know, I, I'm not looking to have a to live in a communist country where everything is centralized. But here it's really the other extreme. And this is a perfect example of it. And getting that information that you need is, is really different, really difficult. And, and so um, what is it you do exactly for clients? Why? And why is somebody coming to you? So people obviously come to me at all sorts of stages. I have people that come to me preemptively. They're in their 60s or early 70s, very healthy, concerned about the future. Maybe they've gone through this experience with their own parents or loved ones. What percentage of people of your... Uh, probably 10%. Most people are, are reactive and not proactive. So more often than not, I'm having people come in here. Mom's in the uh, rehab. They want to discharge her next week. She needs 24-hour care and it costs, you know, $15,000 a month. And what are we going to do? So that's the kind of people that come in for the most part, um, or people who have spent a lot of money already and are running out of money, or people who are just spending money and sort of worried about the trajectory. Are we going to run out of money? What are our options? Um, and 
not as often, but sometimes people don't even understand what care services are out there, what to access. So it's not just about who's going to pay for the care, but what are my options? Home care, day care, um, an assisted living facility. You know, what does it mean to have a caregiver in the home? What's the difference between somebody being a home health aide and a companion? Um, so it's all that kind of stuff that people really don't understand and they need somebody to help them sort of make that plan. So that's what we do in our initial consultation with people. We sit down, we have a meeting about what are your goals for your loved one? How do you see your trajectory over the, the next months or years? And then we try to make a strategy that will meet those needs, both care-wise and finance-wise. Do you charge for that consultation? Yes, we do. We, and it runs I'm, about- and, and I just want to tell you, I'm glad you do. I'm glad that I should have led with that because that's incredibly valuable information. It is. And and we spend, you know, a minimum for most clients of 90 minutes in that consultation. And they walk out the door with a written summary of what the recommendations are, a written list of what kind of documentation they would need if they're going to pursue Medicaid and also a bunch of other informative things that we send sure. them home with. So sure. we're not we're not just, you know, having this talk here. We're giving you a strategy to move forward. And whether you decide to take us on that journey to help you move forward or you decide to do it on your own is completely up to the family. They're not further obligated to us, but at least they have they have an idea of what their next steps could be. Right. Well, I'm 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 really happy to hear that you have that service and that you that you you reckon I'm sure you know, you're a professional. You recognize you need to charge for that service. Yeah. Well, and, I'm a big believer of you get what you pay for in in life. Oh, so absolutely. a lot of people are getting absolutely. free advice, and I'm finding they're coming back. They're coming here because their free advice was not accurate. And right, it wasn't free back. after all. Right. Exactly. Absolutely correct. Yeah. Um. So. Let's talk about the different kinds of Medicaid. So the med, there's there's really really three different kinds of Medicaid, but only two that I deal with. Um, there is the Medicaid that people get as health insurance. If you're under 65, if you're not otherwise insured, if you don't have any and you don't have any income or very, very low income, New York State Marketplace will put you into their Medicaid program. And you don't need somebody like me to navigate you through that because those people genuinely just need health insurance and financially they meet the criteria. And it's health insurance. It's not care. So that's one piece. And we don't handle that. What we handle is Medicaid for people who need either care in their home, which is community Medicaid. So that could be care in their own home, in their children's home, in an assisted living facility, but anything that's sort of in the community, a non-institutional setting. So that's one type of Medicaid, community Medicaid. And the other Medicaid is institutional Medicaid, which is really just for somebody who needs to stay in a nursing home permanently. And one of sort of the biggest misunderstandings that people have about those two Medicaids, because that's really the population I'm dealing with. And that Medicaid is 99.9% .9 time a secondary or tertiary insurance. It's not their primary. They have Medicare. They have a supplement. They need this for that care. Um, is that there is a five-year look back for nursing home Medicaid, which means they want to see all your financial records and vet that you are eligible and you didn't give any assets away to make yourself eligible if you're going into a nursing home. But community Medicaid does not have that same bar. And that's a huge thing that people are not aware of. At this moment, at this point, 
today, there is really no look back for community Medicaid, which means you could give away your money today, apply for Medicaid November 1st, and you would potentially be eligible, you know, if you've done everything properly. So that's a huge thing that people don't understand. Um, it is on the books to change. Yeah, it has been for a while. Yeah, at the end of March, it's supposed to change to be a, a 30 month look back for community Medicaid. So half of what it is for the nursing home. The, we don't know how they're going to implement that. We really don't even know if it's going to happen. Um, they keep putting it off. There's scuttlebutt that they might put it off till 2025. But in my world, I have to go with what I know. So at this moment, we're going with it's going to change at the end of March of 24. Um, and and so how do you decide on what somebody's going to do, which which of the two um, Medicaid they would, if necessary, they would choose? So, so many people come in really predetermined. We're putting mom in a nursing home. There's no way dad's ever going to a nursing home. So some people come in really uh, already just with an agenda. And I try to meet that agenda because I don't want to push people into a place they're not comfortable with. But I also have had people come in and say, we need to put dad or mom in a nursing home. And after discussing the options for care at home, they realize they have alternatives that they weren't aware of. And then they might switch gears and go to the home care um, or vice versa. Some people are like, I really want to take care of mom at home. And I'm listening to their their life and their story and saying, I don't really think this is going to really be not only in your your parents' best interest, but in yours. Because, you know, the, the, the caregivers have to be considered in this equation. And very often the caregivers themselves don't consider themselves, their needs, their lives in the equation. They're just saying, oh, how do we take care of our loved one? But all of that right. needs to be looked at. So we really, but I would say, I would say most people come in with a predetermined agenda. Sometimes we wind up switching that agenda after talking and educating them. But most often it's, it stays, it stays the course of whatever they walked in the door with. Right. Um, and are people aware of community Medicaid? Not as much as you would imagine they should be. I have so many people who come in and say, I wish I met you three years ago before I spent every penny mom has. I wish that I knew that this was an option and I didn't have to put my mother in a nursing home. Um, so, yeah, it's unfortunate that a lot of people don't not only understand that it exists, but understand that the rules are different from the nursing home Medicaid. And that's a huge that's a huge um piece because that's, I've had people who've gone to a lawyer, done a trust, come to me and say, well, it's been five years. We want to apply for home care Medicaid. And I'm like, well, you didn't have to wait five years. And they're like, why didn't anybody tell me that? I, uh, I that, that, that really boils my blood. I me can't too. get over that. I mean, the way I got involved in the business I'm in now is because, um, my well, it's actually my dad got sick, and we hired a geriatric care manager and opened me up to this whole world. And my mother um, became bed bound and had dementia. And through the care manager, we learned about community Medicaid. Yeah. And we were very fortunate. We were very fortunate. And um, I can't tell you how many. And I'm not telling you anything you don't know. How many lawyers I've talked to about no look back. And they say, no, that's wrong. No, no, no. There's a five-year look back, <laughs> you know, and they're, they're attorneys. Well, there that are a lot said, of, yeah. unfortunately, there are a lot of people out there who, who present themselves as really being experts and, and they're really not. And, you know, this is, this is something for certainly in, in our company, 
this is all we do all day, every day. So we do try to stay on top mm-hmm. of all of the rules and all the updates, but we also do work closely with a lot of, you know, really um, what I would consider top-notch elder law attorneys who really are up on the up and up and know all the current stuff. And so I do work really closely with a lot of those attorneys because right, a lot of they hire, they, they, they hire you to do that work. Yes, some attorneys do hire me to subcontract out that work. But but a lot of times not all of them, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But I can't do the legal work. So I a lot of people do need trust and and power of attorneys and such. So I'll send them off to somebody else to um, to get that work done. Exactly. And so you 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 have, you know, there are a lot of a lot of uh, spots along the spectrum there about where you would land, you know. But um, at times, some people do need a lot of legal work, but some people don't need much at all. Correct. And, uh, that ten percent that come in early are very fortunate. Yes, uh, they are. Because <laughs> they don't need the legal work; they don't have to have it, but they're getting educated. Yes. Why don't we? Why don't you tell us about some of the common myths? I mean, we've been dancing around them now, anyway. Yes. The common myth regarding Medicaid. So I. So I think. Certainly the biggest myth is that you can't qualify because your income is too high. Um, And that is, I can't tell you how many people say, I don't know why I'm calling you um, because I I make too much money. There's no way I can qualify. And, you know, if you're going to a nursing home, all of your income goes to the nursing home and whatever the nursing home cost isn't covered by your income, theoretically, Medicaid's going to pay if you're eligible. So that doesn't hold any water for nursing home for sure. In home care, uh, there is a way to shelter your income if your income is above the Medicaid limit. And the Medicaid limit's just about under seven, just under $1,700 a month if you're single, widow, divorced, and just about $2,300 a month if you're married and both husband and wife are looking to qualify together. So it's pretty low. Um, but anything above the limit can be protected by using something called a pooled income trust. And, and that really is a game changer for so many people. And I would say maybe there's like a 5% of the people that come in the door that have so much income that I look at them and say, I don't think this makes sense. You make $15,000 a month. It only costs you $5,000 a month to live. You can afford to pay for your care out of pocket without touching a penny in your, in your, in your savings. So there are some people and that's becoming, that percentage is growing because people are better prepared for their retirement now than they were 15 years ago. Yeah, I'm finding people, especially um, teachers, um, firemen, policemen, people have really substantial pensions. And yeah. then if they, they, if they work that if they work the uh, teachers retirement system, right, it's, they could be. Yeah, I have clients who have a few million dollars from that. Yeah, really. So so I'm, I am finding that I am having people come in and I say, I don't see this works for you, but I also am helping them understand why it doesn't work and why they're in a good position, not a bad position. It's a, it's a positive to be able to fully control right. your destiny right. because you have the resources to do it without spending all your money, you know, during your lifetime. So that's, so the income is a huge myth. Um, the other big one is that you can't own your home, that you can't own property. So you can own the home that you live in if you're living in the community and it is technically not counted as an asset while you're living in the community in your home. Um, but you can't own other property. You can't own a house in Florida, not live in it and qualify for Medicaid because you own a property you're not living in. So it has to be your primary residence that's excluded. 
But you still need to do some planning around that because Medicaid does have something called the state recovery where they come after things that pass through your will when you die. So you really do want to strategically plan when you're planning for Medicaid to position everything so it passes outside of your will. So you have beneficiaries or trust or whatever it needs to be to get that that entity, whether it's a bank account or a property, to pass right directly to your loved ones and not go through your will. And that really is a huge part of Medicaid planning that some people miss, you know, which is don't worry about your house. It's exempt. Yes. But when you die, they're coming after it. <laughs> so it, that, that's that's where you need the attorney. Yes. You know, you know, yeah. That's where you work closely with attorney. Yes. That was the case of my mom. I, she lived in an apartment on 10th Street in Manhattan. And there was that that was like the center of our family's universe. Yeah. You know, my brother lived in Brooklyn. My sister lived in the Bronx and I lived in Manhattan. And we all converged on there. And she was able to keep her apartment and we put it in a trust. And when she passed away, um, that that money went into her estate and she was able to keep her legacy. Yeah. And that that was a beautiful thing. And, and um, the other side of it is about the pooled income trust that you mentioned. You have to manage that. Uh, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So the, the pooled income trust sometimes is super easy for people to manage and sometimes it's not. It really depends on how much you're putting into your trust monthly, how, how much money's going in and what bills need to pay be paid. So effectively what happens is the pooled trust companies debit your bank account once a month for the income that Medicaid says is above the limit. So you get $4,000 a month. So they're saying $2,300 a month. We're going to pull out of your bank account each month. Now the trust has your money. Medicaid is perfectly satisfied. You've done what you were supposed to do. How do you get that money out of that pooled income trust? You have to submit to them your bills, the bills belonging to the person who's in the trust. So if mom lives with me and all the bills in my house are in my name, I can't submit bills that are in my name for the trust to pay for my mom. They have to be her bills. Um, the, I have people who it works out perfectly. They're putting $1,000 a month in the trust. Their rent is $1,000 a month. And it just, it, it, it propels forward on its own. The trust takes the money out. The trust pays your rent and we're done. And we don't have to think about it. But other people who are putting $4,000, $5,000 trust and they need to submit their property taxes, their credit card charges, their electric, their telephone, their cable. And so there's there it can be a little bit daunting, but there are ways to streamline the process. One of my big um, ways that I like people to do this, especially if they own a home and they don't have a monthly shelter expense, is to put all of their expenses on their credit card telephone, cable, uh, you know, homeowners, so that once a month you can send a bill to the trust, which is all your monthly bills, your groceries, your incidentals. It sort of makes, makes it easier for the person managing that trust to do it. And there are trust companies who offer credit cards themselves. The company itself says, here's your well, they're, they're really They're really debit cards. They are. And the problem with those is you can't really put your bills on those. Exactly. So that's the downside of, of that concept. It's great if you need access to it as cash for incidentals, but not great if you want to try to pay your bills with it. Yeah. Well, we, we we manage a fair amount of, uh, of pooled income trust. So, um, we, you know, I concur with everything you say. 
Yeah. And I think it's sometimes people, especially people who have high incomes going into the trust, it's sometimes worth it to hire a third party to navigate that all for you, especially if you're busy, you know, person doing a lot, you know, I have everything automatic from my mother's bank account, so I don't have to worry about it. But if I had to nitpick like that, it would take a lot more time for me. And I'm, and I'm a busy woman. So I would love for somebody right. to do that for me. So I think that so, that's a really important um, skill or service that's available to people. Yeah. What happened was with my mom, this was long before I was doing what we're doing. Um, she lost thousands of dollars in reimbursements because she was at the, the beginning of her cognitive decline. And she was still going out to eat and she was using her credit card and the pool trust we were using required receipts for everything, for everything. She couldn't remember where she was going and what she got or did she get the receipt? It was ugly. And that brings up up a very important point, which is not all the pool trusts are created equal. And there are some that are much more rigid and inflexible in how they deal with you Absolutely. and others who are easier to deal with. So choosing the right trust company, I think is, 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 a, is a serious thing. And most people don't choose. They just get directed by whoever's helping them to. And a it's company. normally, it's normally the attorney who knows nothing about this. So right, it doesn't deal with the, the, the minutia of the month yeah, to month. They just know there's one company out there that does this. And yeah. So that, that, yep. that's a big deal. And I've had people, And you can switch pool trust companies. So that's something that's really important that people don't Mm -hmm. understand. If you have a company and they're not working well for you, you're not happy everything, they can switch to a new company. And the new company most often will waive their enrollment fee to get your business. So it doesn't, it's not even, there's no cost involved for a lot of those people. So, um, I mean, we're we're coming kind of towards the end of our time. and I mean, there's, there's so much information here, and it's really critical for, for a lot of people. Maybe we'll come back and do another one. Um, well, I just wanted to ask you, and this is a really good one. Uh, do you need to hire someone to help you through the Medicaid process? So th- I would definitely say that's a yes and no. So you do not. Anybody can do their own Medicaid application. There's no requirement. However, if you don't understand the rules and you don't understand the documentation that's going to be required, and you know you may fail. And if you fail, um, it delays your time. You may eventually figure it out. You may eventually get to the end point. But if it takes you an extra two, three, four, five, six months, every month you don't have that benefit. If you're paying for services, you're losing money. And that's it's causing a lot of stress. amount of money yes. and stress, right? It's a huge amount of money. Yeah. I mean, this is money extremely well spent extremely yeah. well spent it's, it's like uh, paying an accountant to do your taxes you know you, you pay them for their expertise they're hopefully going to save you money they know how to navigate the system you know you do it yourself you may miss out on some benefits so and, and again i haven't worked directly with with colin or with you <laughs> i'm talking to the crowd. <laughs> uh yeah but um you've come incredibly highly recommended and i know you've gotten like like um split shifts for clients which is a very difficult very difficult thing to do nowadays yes and i know um a couple of clients that you've worked with who are not very easy to work with and (laughs) yet you were able to get through and so um i couldn't you know i recommend you holly from that point of view and um 
And and so I, I want to thank you for your time. That was great. Um, and I definitely would love to have you back. Oh, thank and, you. And, and I, I, heads together and figure out, you know, what it yeah. could be and maybe do a good handout that goes Abs with that. Absolutely. I do also want to just let you know and remind you and everybody else that I do weekly webinars that are free. Every oh, excellent. Wednesday. Tell us about that. Every Wednesday at 530. Occasionally, oh, I skip wow. Wednesday. I do a free webinar. You have to pre-register. There's a little button on my MedicaidSolutions.com website. It's free. It's live, so it can be interactive at the end for questions. Um, and I and I switch on and off each week between community Medicaid and nursing home Medicaid. So I really separate Excellent. them. Excellent. So, and that's been I've been doing that since COVID started. And and you know some days nobody shows up, and some days I have fifteen people. So um, but I but I I start it every week, and if nobody shows up after seven minutes, I shut it down. But I do it every single week unless I'm out of town. That's great to know. And so we'll put that information in the text portion of the podcast as well as the video. Excellent. You know, I, I, I'm pretty sure more people watch this on video than listen to this uh, as a podcast. Yeah. So they'll have all that information. That's great. So, Colin, thank you so much. That was really, really informative. And it's so important. It's so thank important. Thank you so much, and, Peter. Probably. You know, as, as our age expectation increases you know and people living into the 90s i have clients in their 100s um, more and more need this information 100 percent, yes uh, and 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 maybe they could then appreciate the high tax rate we pay in new york but that's another <laughs> story yes okay thank you again for having okay, me thank you okay